Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. For today is Mark 1 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Elaine and I were so blessed this week to be able to go to um, some relatives' house in Michigan, about four hours away, Ludington, Michigan, and the house was amazing. It was so far beyond what we expected and what we had hoped for, for a time away, being able to uh, get away from the hustle and bustle of life. You know, the back porch of this house, first of all, the back of the house is all glass, and then there's the back deck, and there's Lake Michigan. It was awesome. And so we would, you know, just walk down a few steps, 10 steps or so, you're in sand. Walk across the sand 30 meters, you're in the water. It was amazing. Every night was a sunset that was picture perfect. Some of you who are Facebook friends with me have seen, I've posted uh, uh, some, uh, some pictures of what it was like being there. Uh, it was really a work vacation. I had other things I had to do, prepare for the message. I had some assignments, some other work that needed to be done, but I didn't mind. Just being there made it better. And as we left on Monday morning and we passed each exit going away from, from here, <laughs> it was like another thing just lifted away from me until I finally got there and I realized this is going to be great. It was going to be great. It was a time for me just to sort of reconnect, not only with God and spend some moments in quiet time with him, but it was a moment to reflect on myself without the hustle and bustle, like I said, of ministry and raising a family and being a friend to people and all of the demands that come with living life, a busy life at that. It was a time for me to just be able to ask myself the question, am I achieving what God created me to achieve? Am I fulfilling my purpose as God's man? Am I fulfilling my purpose as a husband to Elaine, as a father to Calvin and Daniel, to a pastor, to each and every one of you, and to a man of God tasked with proclaiming the forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ to the world who watches us on live stream and hears us on our recordings? It allowed me to evaluate, do I have distractions in my life that are pulling me away from the target that God has oriented me towards when he called me into the ministry? Like that. That's a distraction. 
Life is like that. You seem so focused on one specific goal, and life has a way, because we live in a fallen world, to have things pop up. Calvin, just shut the TV off and shut this off as well. We don't need them. The words aren't working anyway today. Another distraction. Technical problems. But on that deck, being able to sit and look out on the water, it gave me an opportunity to reflect on myself. And you know, it's so interesting, even while I was there, the ability for life to encroach no matter where you are with no cell signal, with a sometimes spotty Wi-Fi signal. Life has a way of reminding you it's there. I mean, you could probably relate to this. I'm sure all of you live in this busy world. It's so easy to be distracted by the many things that pop up in your own lives. Do you ever struggle to remain focused not only on God, but on what God has called you to achieve in your own life? Because you realize that, don't you? That just as Grace Bible Church has a mission statement, you have a mission statement. Do you know what that statement is? Have you taken time to consider how God has built you and made you and gifted you so you can be working right at the right place in your life for the right purpose towards the right end. Otherwise, if we don't pay attention to this, we can be distracted and life can pull us away. We have no shortage of those distractions. We have, of course, our flesh, which is a constant reminder that we should be doing something else. Our body calls us away. Our own desires call us away to other things than what God has tasked us with. The world has distractions, doesn't it? Once I did get Wi-Fi, I realized I was spending an inordinate amount of time on social media. Here I'm trying to escape the world, and now I'm trying to run back to it. But that's just one. There are lots of ways that the world calls us. In fact, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has so created the order here that everything is oriented towards keeping us away from being focused on God and our God-given purpose. So if the flesh isn't enough, if Satan isn't enough, our lives are full of everything. The world, Satan, and the flesh. You see, we were made for intimacy and participation with God. We were made to be away with him, to interact with him. I'm reading a wonderful book this week. It's just been so, that was something else. I go on vacation, I read a book. I was so excited. It was the first time I got to read a book for me in two or three years probably. Always my books are either for something that I have to do for ministry, something I have to do for school. I got to actually read a book. Relax, it was theological, it was not fiction, it was something that I was... Nevertheless, it was an opportunity to feed myself on God's word, on God's truth. This book talks about how we were made to participate in the rule of this earth with God, that we were little mini-rulers created in his image. We need to be aware that that's why we were created, lest we be distracted. So in today's passage, we're going to look at Mark 1, 35-39. This is where Jesus is uh, taking time to be away in participation with the Father, to be reoriented in his life according to his mission. You see, the ta- the, we'll see. This is what it says. Let's look at this. The first thing you need to know as we look at the text, this is the first point for this morning, is that we need to get alone with God. We need time away with the Father. It is why we were created. Technical difficulty. Welcome to ministry in a new world. 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up. And he left the house. He went off to a solitary place 
where he prayed. You see, Jesus sought distraction-free time with the Father. It's so interesting. If Jesus, our Savior, God, in the flesh, thought it important to have a priority of spending time alone with the Father, how much more should we, who are ravaged by sin, ravaged by a world that is distracted, ravaged by the delusion that we often even find ourselves in, living in a world that's been tainted by sin? We need those moments alone with God. It says he rose up early. He says very early in the morning, actually. And he left the house. Now, this is not something unusual. As I told you last week, the house in Capernaum, Peter's house, was not big. It was about half the size of this stage. If he wanted time away with God, away with God, he would have to leave the house. I know that in the mornings, I sometimes try to get up. I fall into the temptation that mornings are special. We'll talk about that a little bit. But sometimes I get up in the morning early and I say, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to start my day off well. I'm going to get quiet. And no sooner... Where I get up and sit at my table, the cat wakes up. And the cat decides after hours of ignoring me that it wants attention. It's always first thing in the morning. It's gone eight hours of darkness with nobody around. Now it demands my time. And of course, I give it to him. He's a cute little devil, I'll tell you. Maybe devil's the right word. He's a cute little guy. So then it's time to get my coffee. So let's get that brewing. Time to go back to the word. Oh, my coffee's done. I get up and I go get my coffee, pour my coffee, come sit back down. I hear the first creaks upstairs of people awakening. Now my time away with God has been totally distracted by other things. None of them bad, but have been distracted. And so as Jesus gets up, he leaves the house, the distraction of people, and he goes to a solitary place. The word is the desert, the wilderness. He goes off away from Capernaum to spend time while it's still dark with the Father. He needed to be alone. There's something about being alone with God that allows us, or shows us that he is our priority. He is number one in our life. In fact, it's the reason we were built. It's the purpose of our overall, you know, generally that's our purpose, to be with God, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means to place God before everything. The first commandment says, you shall have no gods before me. The idea is not that, that God is the only God, which he is, but the idea there is that God is first. He is preeminent in our lives and he is the one who is our priority. We need to seek distraction-free time with God. Jesus did this often throughout the Gospels. We see him both before and after big moments in his ministry, going off and spending time with God. So here we see him after a big day. The previous day, it says that he was healing diseases and casting out demons, that the whole city of Capernaum and the surrounding environs came and crowded the house so that they too could be healed, so that they too could have a moment with this man who worked wonders no one had seen. It was a busy day. So Jesus spent the next morning away with the Father. He needed to be reoriented, to be focused not only in time with God, but to be focused on his purpose. And he did that with prayer. We don't pray enough. There's a joke that says, if you want to empty a church, do a series on prayer. For real. Because the moment you start speaking, you make everyone feel guilty. Because none of us pray enough. We all recognize it. We know that we can always spend some more time before God, yet life calls, and so we get distracted by other things. Yet Jesus placed prayer in the utmost place of importance in terms of his activities here on earth. It's often said, I've heard it said at least, that we spend not enough time 
praying, for instance, like the leadership of the church, even in our elder meetings, I sometimes wonder if our whole two-hour meeting should be like an hour and 50 minutes of prayer. Then our 10 minutes would make our decisions because God, by that time, has gotten our heart right, gotten our mind right, gotten us in the right frame of mind to do his will, and we simply pray that it would be accomplished. Yet we consider all day and plan and strategize how we're going to accomplish something and then pray, hoping that God co-signs our material and what we want to do, instead of praying for God's will and then trusting him to make it happen through our obviously weak and meager actions. Prayer is important because we need power. We need the power to achieve what God has called us to achieve, namely, overcome sin. If there's anything in our life that's holding us back more, it's our flesh. I really do believe this. I think that as a church, generally, as the church around the world struggles with its own temptations and its own sin, failing to recognize that Jesus has overcome that and that we have access to the power through the Holy Spirit to say no to sin, I think once we get that in our minds, once we understand the church will become so much more powerful that Jesus will be able to work through his body in a way that at least lately it doesn't seem he's been able to do. I mean, it's no question that there are certainly problems in the church, even in the American church. We're focused on the panache of prayer instead of the power of prayer. We're focused on all of the wrong things instead of Christ crucified and the power of the Holy Spirit in us to do every, listen to me, everything that God is calling you to do, including say no to sin. I recognize in my own life that there are times when I'm interacting with somebody and they're struggling in a particular area that I'm struggling in too. I know the answer in here. I know the answer in here. Well, the Bible says X, Y, and Z. That's how you accomplish. That's how you overcome what you're dealing with. But my own heart's struggling too, so there's this sense in me that says, quiet. Don't say anything. The power to speak life into that person has been weakened in my own life by my own temptations with sin. Now, if I'm the pastor and that happens, how much more for all of us? It's a truth of life that as long as we live in this earth, sin-sick world, we're going to have temptation. Yet Jesus has overcome and he's given us the power. We access that power through faithful prayer. Not only do we need power, we need perspective. How many of you have gone down a road on a plan, you know, planned something, went down a road, got halfway there and realized, I don't really want to be down here. Or how did I get here? Spending time with God allows us to have perspective on our lives. That's what happened to me this weekend. I had the opportunity to see what is really important in my life and what is fluff. There's some fluff. We're going to talk about getting rid of some fluff in your life because it's all of it, it's not bad. All of it, a lot of it's really good but it's not our calling and not our purpose. And so we need perspective in our life. Not only do we need perspective and power, we need protection. Hear the alliteration? We need protection. I'm hoping you memorize these or writing them down. The truth is, is we live in a world with spiritual beings that are hell-bent on getting you to not obey God. They've created an order of the world and the culture that distracts you. They foment your sinful nature because they know you well to distract you from what God wants. They seek to outright tempt you to pull you away from giving worship to the only God, Jesus. And finally, we need provision, spiritual provision. 
This week was really good for me because I felt like I actually got to spend time with God. Sometimes in prayer, in God's word, I know that I'm spending time sort of about God. I'm learning about God. I'm talking about God. I'm thinking about God, but God's not really there. Have you ever had those scenarios? You get it, I mean, our morning uh, sort of routines can happen like that too. Well, in the morning, I get up, I read my Bible. This is what I do. But when you're really honest and you're asking yourself, but is Jesus there? The answer can be no. When we pray, when we seek God's face, we need to seek God's face. We need to ask God to make himself real to us in that moment, to be with us, to hold us as we sang, to be there, and to give us what we need spiritually to know that we are his workmanship and that he is our creator. So the first thing is we need to get alone with God. Some of us, some of you, I talk to you, you need to get alone with God. I don't know what that means. There was a time when I decided, there's a passage, a couple of them actually, in the Psalms that says, three times a day I will praise your name. I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to do, three times a day. So I made it, morning, afternoon, and evening. So when I was in prison, there's no getting alone with God in prison. It's just not. There's always somebody there. Always. Except this one place, there was a bathroom. That's where I went. That was my prayer closet for years, was the bathroom. It was the only place that I could get away physically, geographically, from others to spend time with God. And in those moments were some of the most profound revelations of who I am, how God has made me, how I was a broken sinner, and how Jesus was the answer. We need to get away with God. But while we're there, we need to understand we can't stay there. We can't stay there. So the second principle out of this passage we can see is that we need to expect distractions. Expect distractions. Listen, Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine what they woke up to? Jesus is gone. They were just famous. The previous day, there were amazing miracles occurring. People who had been sick for their whole life, possessed by demons for their whole life, were suddenly healed, and now Jesus is gone. The village was waiting. The demands of ministry and life were there waiting for Jesus as soon as he would arise, yet Peter looked and he wasn't there. Now, Peter didn't say, oh, Jesus must have went off to spend time with the Lord. He'll be back when he comes back. No, Jesus went looking. Jesus went looking. And you can tell by his exclamation when he finds, everyone's looking for you. There's expectations. People are expecting things of you. Sometimes in our life, there are things that we need to do, that God is calling us to do, that will run in the face of the expectations of the people around us. I run into this all the time. A few of you have learned this extraordinarily well. And I say, I have a ministry opportunity. And they say, that's not on God's agenda for me. And no matter how hard I get them to want them to do this ministry, they won't do it because they have learned the secret that all of us need to learn. That while everything can be good, not everything is right. While there are things in this world that call us that are not bad things at all, they're actually positive things, they're not what God has called us to in that moment. And we need to be willing to say no. These expectations, it was a clamoring for healing. I'm sure, I'm sure they found some more diseased and demon-possessed people. They had a need. There's needs everywhere. Others' expectations that Jesus should heal them. I run into expectations a lot in ministry. 
You might even run into these too. I'm sure we all do. Let me tell you about an expectation. Expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Does that make sense to you? That when we have expectations of others, when they fail to achieve what we think they should achieve, we get angry about it. And sometimes those resentments can throw us off course in walking with the Lord for quite some time until we've been reoriented to see, oh, maybe my expectation was unreasonable. This not only happens in ministry, but this happens in your life as well. People have expectations. And when Jesus is calling us to something else, it can create problems with those around us. We need to be able to say, you know the emoji? I don't know. God's called us to something different, something better. We need to remain focused on our purpose. But nevertheless, these distractions have a way of finding us. We're never alone with God for long. There's a story of Billy Graham. I I always see this. I don't know how he did this, but there's a story of Billy Graham. I think Franklin told it, that there was a time growing up that no matter how busy Billy Graham was, there was always time for the kids. Basically, the door was always open. He could be mid-anything, mid-meeting. Kid came in, kids came in. Pop up on the knee, how you doing, this and that. The person they were having the meeting with could wait, could wait. Billy understood the importance of his family and his role as a father, his role as a husband. Every other distraction in life, even ministry distraction, was not as important as that. God's calling on his life to be a father shoved everything else out when those things came up. So here's a question for you, and I'm sure you've already been thinking about it. What in this life right now is distracting you from God's purpose for you? What in this life? What are you spending time on? What are you spending money on? What are you looking at? What are you do- Who are you interacting with that's distracting you from God's purpose in your life? I, I mean, I sense it in my own life on social media. Time flies. I think they wired it that way to make your brain forget that there's a clock. Next thing you know, you look up, you've just spent 30 minutes or an hour looking at stuff. Not all of it's bad. Some of it's very uplifting. There's actually a a strong Christian element on some of these social media platforms. Things I've learned, things I've studied. Steph is really good at forwarding things to me that are like, you know, theologically, uh, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Interesting, yeah, that's a questionable might be a better word, but anyway, she... So I'm like, I'm always trying to straighten things out or what, you know, read things or whatever. So there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of edifying things you can find, but not for an hour at a time. There's other things, life, family, every, other things that God is calling you to. What in your life is distracting you? Who in your life is distracting you? What in your heart is distracting you? We did a series on shame and sin not that long ago. You know, that can distract you. God's calling you to a purpose in your life, yet you're carrying shame around or a sinful habit, and so you never achieve what God is calling you to achieve because that's getting in the way. Can you imagine, those of you who are struggling with shame, could you imagine what it would be like to wake up one day and say, here I am, good and bad. Jesus has saved me, and nothing else matters. So the shame we carry can get put aside. What about the sin that you're struggling with, the thing that just keeps popping up again and again, that struggle? What if one day you woke up and the expectation that it would be gone forever was lifted from you? And you said, no, I have the power to overcome this sin. I'm going to fail because I'm human and I have a sin nature. But in the end, Jesus died for my sin. I'm okay. Nothing else matters. 
How would all of our lives and ministry look if we shoved to the side all of the reasons we don't act and you said, you know what, today I'm acting. The calling that you've been waiting on pursuing until you retire. Oh, we'll do that when I retire. The job change that God's calling you to that might make less money but is more appropriate for your family. Maybe the education that you feel that you need, that you say, well, this ship has sailed. I had somebody who was pursuing a degree, I think it was a medical degree or something, they're already in their 50s. And they're like, oh, it's going to take like eight years, four years of medical school, or four years undergrad, four years of medical school, all of this. I'm like, well, do I want to not be a doctor at 60 or do I want to be a doctor at 60? What's better? So they went to medical school. God's calling you for a specific purpose in your life. Don't let distractions get in the way. But when they do, we should not be unaware that they're going to be there. Neither we should be perturbed. We should again make the decision that God is our priority and we need to remain focused. Jesus' time away with the Father gave him perspective on the Father's will and what his next steps would be. Jesus didn't act on Peter's distraction. Peter said, everyone's looking for you. Come on, there's ministry to be done. Jesus, if it were Adam there praying with the Father, he would have popped up and said, let's go do what we need to do. Jesus said no. This is a very, very important element of what it means to walk with the Lord according to your purpose. No. I say yes a lot. I'm getting better at it. I practice. I look in the mirror. I say no. (laughs) We need to learn to say no. 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. So he traveled to preach there also. Uh, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Third principle for this morning, don't let distraction sidetrack you from your purpose. Get away with God. Expect distractions, but don't let them sidetrack you from your purpose. Jesus had just been in healing, uh, healing people. He had fruitful ministry. Of course the expectation is that he would come back and continue to do ministry. Yet Jesus decided that this was not where the Father was calling him, that the Father was calling him to something better. We make the mistake, and I make the mistake, I think, but we tend to look at numbers, right, in the church to see how well we're doing, whether or not it's giving, whether or not it's attendance. Now it's how many people are watching on Facebook, how many people are downloading from around the world. They're important. It's important data. There's no question. But in the end, in the end, the numbers really don't matter much. The, if a good example is, and this is biblical, a good example, say, is um, the book of Isaiah. In chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah sees a vision of God, and God says, who will go for us? Who shall I send? He's calling the prophet to a ministry. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. God says, thank you. This is where we're sending you. We're sending you to a people who are not going to listen to what you say and are not going to turn from their sinful deeds. It was a ministry that by all human expectations was a failure. Yet Isaiah was doing exactly what God had called him to do. Sometimes in our life, we're called to do ministries, we're called to do services, we're called to, do, we're called to help people that in the end don't look fruitful at all. But we're still being faithful to God. Do not let, in other words, do not be distracted by expectations of numbers, things like that. A fruitful life is one that is faithful to God's calling, not necessarily one that has all of the accoutrement of a life well lived. You know what I mean. House, car, vacation home, IRA, stuff. 
Jesus' mission was to reestablish the kingdom of God that was given over at Eden. Jesus came back and said, you know what? The earth is in darkness. I'm coming back. That was his mission. So he wasn't there simply to heal people in Capernaum. He was there to proclaim the gospel to everyone in Israel. And so he said, it's time to go. We have other places to preach. We have other things to do. Sometimes in life, we have to say no to the good in order to say yes to the better. This is very important for us. Because sometimes it's a struggle. I feel it in myself. I have, you know, a hundred options. They're all good. People come and they pitch ministry ideas to me. None of them are bad. I've never heard a bad ministry idea. It's always about helping somebody. It's always about teaching somebody. It's all good. The question is, is there something better for me at this time that God is calling me to? Same holds true in your life. There are a lot of good things calling in your life, but in the end, you have to do what God is calling you to do because what God is calling you to do, regardless of what it looks like to us, is better. Is better. Jesus knew his mission. And I encourage you to get with God and ask him what yours is. Ask him what yours is. When I was in seminary, there was an exercise that we did. It was to write a personal mission statement. Just as organizations have mission statements and vision statements, what was the mission statement for my life? For my life. Our previous pastor had a mission statement that was something like to, to see as many people come to Jesus as, as quickly as possible. That was like his mission statement. Whatever worked, we did it. We tried to make believers in the power of the Spirit. We called people to the kingdom. That was what he did. And he had a very specific way of doing it. You have very specific ways of doing what God has called you to do as well. And you need to remain focused on that mission. Being distracted gets you off of God's best for your life. All right, get alone with God. Expect distractions. Because they're going to come. We live in a world. You know, I have that book, Jesus Calling. There should be another book that goes with it that says distractions are calling because they're there. They're there for real. And finally, um, don't let distractions sidetrack you from your purpose. As much as I loved Michigan, it wasn't as much as I love you. And so I didn't let that distract me so much from coming back. There were moments. All right, there were moments. I asked Elaine, I said, is this our purpose for life? Maybe we should, maybe, maybe this is where we should be. Oh, look at that house is for sale, honey. What do you think of that house? Elaine says the same things over and over. She says, I've had a lot of change in my life up to this moment. I'm pretty proud of myself right now, so slow down. I said, okay. So I had to remain focused on what my purpose is. And right now my purpose, you are my purpose. You are my purpose. And anything that does not add to that is a distraction. Lane's my purpose. Calvin's my purpose. Everything else, fluff. Be prepared to make some people upset when you say no to, God, or no to them and yes to God. Or when you say no to the good, to say yes to the better. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for uh, your beautiful creation, this beautiful weather, this beautiful church, our family. We thank you, Lord, that, you, um, that you've promised to walk with us, that you've promised to empower us, we pray, Lord, that you would give us that power to say no. Help us, Lord, to remain focused on our purpose. If we don't know our purpose, Lord, tell us. 
If we're off track and we're distracted or we're, you know, we're delusional, Lord, fix our hearts on what is true. Fix our hearts on how you've called us and what you would want us to do. And then, Lord, give us the willingness and the obedience and the honesty to achieve those things that you are calling us to achieve by your power. Lord, we sit here this morning and we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for how you've called us. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus and what he did. The fact that he came to bear our sins and die on the cross on our behalf, Lord, has freed us to do what you've called us to do. Father, we pray that you would give us a spirit of focus, that you would give us a spirit of commitment to you that maybe we've never had in the past. Lord, as you bring things to our heart and to our mind's eye of those people, places, and things that we need to set aside in order to remain focused on your calling on our life, Lord, give us the willingness to do that and help us to trust you when in the beginning it might not seem like it's the right choice. Lord, we embrace your mission for our lives by faith. We pray that you would give us the power to walk in it faithfully. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.